It's Taste of Country Nights with Evan Paul On Demand, Season 2, Episode 29 with Luke Combs. Like, I'm not not wearing gym shorts at home. Gym shorts when it's hot, sweatpants when it's cold. Like, I'm not, I'm not putting on a pair of jeans or a pair of nice shorts unless I'm... Go like I'm going to something. Unless you I'm know. getting paid. <laughs> oh, we had a lot of fun checking in with Luke Combs on this podcast. Also, a special add-on. There's an interview here at the end with country newcomer Dylan Schneider. As usual, please give us a like, a rating, a subscribe, a comment. It all helps us out here at Taste of Country Nights on Demand, part of the Town Square Media Podcast Network. How's uh, the wife and the new baby check-in? Give me the oh, latest update. It's good, man. Countdown's on, for sure. Getting yeah, you, close. You, uh, you guys got any names? I know you. You still have nothing. Still got nothing, pretty much. Um, so that's that's promising, considering we're getting real close. <laughs> uh, let's talk about fast car. Have you been tempted to buy you or your wife a fast car? No, I haven't, man. I'm. Uh, I don't think we either want. I don't think either of us want one, man. You know, we're. I'm good with a slow car. That works for me. You know. Have you made any big splurges? Uh, what's like your biggest splurge you made since you know making it? Oh gosh. Um, probably watches, man. That's probably that's probably the biggest the biggest thing I would say. Um, but for the most part, man, I pretty pretty reined in. You know, going on an Amazon shopping spree every once in a while, and you know. <laughs> Get a, oh God, I couldn't even tell you, you know, a bunch of canned Gatorade or something like that, you know, that I don't need. But other other than that, pretty pretty reined in. You got the Pepsi Rolex? I don't. I do. Okay. I do actually. Yeah. You you do. I you do. Didn't know it, but yeah. You, you do. I do. I have a nineteen seventy six Pepsi Rolex. Ooh, that's legit. That's sweet. Um. You've talked about falling in love with the song Fast Car when you were like four or five. Has anybody pointed out that it's a pretty dark song for a preschooler? (laughs) Yeah, for sure, man. Um, You know, you kind of realize that when you get older. Um, But I just, I don't know. I loved, uh, you know, I loved singing and I loved melodies even back at that age. And I think I just fell in love with that guitar riff and and the melody of that song. And obviously that chorus is, is massive, you know, so... Um, that's what I loved about it as a child, you know, and, and then, you know, you can only appreciate the lyrics of it, you know, when you're older, you know, and so it's kind of, it's kind of a beautiful thing in that way. Did any of the lyrics that you remember stand out as a kid that, uh, you know, like you listen to this part and then as a teenager, this part hit you different than as an adult and a father, this one. Yeah. I mean, I think the whole song in general, right? Like the whole theme is like, yeah, it, like you said, it is it is like pretty dark, right? Like it is a pretty over overall sad sentiment to the tune. Um, but I think it just invokes, you know, it invokes those those hints of like trying to remember, you know, you remember the good things, right? For some reason, you know, sometimes, and and you're willing to you're willing to forgive people and it's a wild, it's a wild song, man. It's so great. And I think so many people can relate to it in so many different ways. And I think that's the beauty of it, you know, as everybody sees a bit of their own story somewhere you in like, that song. You do you like singing sad songs? Oh yeah. I mean, I think any, 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 any true country artist, I think sad songs is where you go to first, you know? Um, 
if if you know if writing sad songs was the job, man, I'd be, I'd have a million number ones. <laughs> <laughs> um, I saw you hitting golf balls in Gillette Stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's so cool. Man. Do you do that all the time? Like, is that net on the road with you? Yeah, we bring that net on the road, and uh, first time I've I've done that on stage. Actually, um, usually we just have it in the green room somewhere. Um, so we don't look like a bunch of idiots and no one can see how bad we are at golf. Um, but that day we did it. So unfortunately we, we got busted that day. What happened? Oh, as far as people seeing you? Oh yeah. I was like, you know, everyone's like, God swing so bad and he shouldn't be doing this. And it's like, oh man, here we go. Here we go. You know? What's the most uh, college guy thing you do now that you still have some money? Like, I asked Jelly Roll that, and he, he said he wears the same clothes like two, three days in a row and sprays them with Febreze. Oh, gosh. Most college guy. I don't know, man. I, like, I'm t- I tend to be like, if I'm home, man, yeah, like, I'm not putting on. Like, I'm not, not wearing gym shorts at home. Like, that's all. Gym shorts. Gym shorts when it's hot, sweatpants when it's cold. Like, I'm not. I'm not putting on a pair of jeans or a pair of nice shorts unless I'm go like I'm going to something. Unless you know? I'm getting paid. <laughs> unless I'm unless I'm stepping out, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're six years into your career. You already got two Entertainer of the Years, uh, like twenty number one hits, a family, the Grand Ole Opry. What's on your bucket list left? Man, I don't know. You know, I think just. You know, continue, continue to, you know, put out great music, right? Like I want to write another great album, you know, and and um, I haven't done that yet. You know what I mean? So it's like I want to, uh, you know, I want to get back in the writing room and and spend time with with my buddies who I write songs with, and you know, time is increasingly precious as you know as we begin to welcome another another child into the world, and um, you know, the tours nuts you know so having that having that time to sit down and write songs and and really put your best foot forward is is uh something that i'm looking forward to doing here in in the next year or so what was it like uh playing cma fest with vince gill like did you get to talk to him any backstage do y'all have a relationship now yeah man we went i went and sat in in his room for a while and it just me and him and just talked about any and everything you know careers guitars golf you know, songs and um, philosophy of, you know, of a career. And he's an awesome guy, man. I mean, he's, you know, he's a giant for sure. And, and um, you know, one of the greats. And uh, he's, you know, I mean, he's he's my hero. You know, he was, you know, my favorite country singer growing up. And I think he's, you know, the, the best country voice, you know, we've ever had. And um, he's just amazing, man. I mean, his his, you know, driving Uber is being in the Eagles. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, and finally, man, uh, we uh, that video of you uh, shotgun a beer with Ed Sheeran. Um, we ran slow mo on that, and when we run it back, we're noticing there is a little bit of beer still left mm-hmm. in your can. Sure. It, what? There's a conspiracy that that you you're not fully drinking the whole beer. Gotcha. Well, you film you film yourself doing one, and we'll watch it back. <laughs> I'm good.
<laughs> I can't do that shit, man. No way. <laughs> All right, brother. Hey, we love, love you anyway. Huge song as well, man. Thank you for both of them at the same time. Appreciate it, man. Thank you, guys. All right, brother. Have a good one. All right. See y'all. Later, man. See ya. Appreciate it. And a special bonus on this episode here with Luke Combs on Taste of Country Nights on Demand. Billy Dukes from TasteofCountry.com stepped in and interviewed country newcomer Dylan Schneider. It's uh, Taste of Country Nights with Dylan Schneider. How you doing, man? Good, bro. Thank you for having me. I just heard you covering a George Strait song. And I, I mean, you did covers kind of coming up before yeah, you, you, yeah. you released your own music. 100%. What's like your go-to? If it's like one song you get to cover, your elevator pitch yeah. cover song. I love... Uh, Garth Brooks, Friends in Low Places, always. I mean, ever since like karaoke days, I would do that. I would do it at, you know, acoustic shows, and then we've even done it at the full band set. So, and it just involves everybody. I feel like people, you know, really get into that whole energy and everything that it brings out. Now, that's a song you can't really play with much. Like, you got to <clears throat> no. play that just pretty much how it It's Garth- kind of right down the middle. Yeah, dude. It's like uh, the Star Spangled Banner to me. I feel like the more down the middle you do it, the better. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like. Uh, it's got its thing. You got yeah. to bring it. Do you have cover songs that you like to kind of really bend or warp or kind of make your own that you can kind of get away with doing that? Um, we used to do Rockstar uh, by Nickelback. They were a huge yeah. influence of mine. And then obviously, you know, us being country and taking a little bit of different approach, that one was always fun to, to mess with. Uh, we did it for probably two years. I've been thinking about bringing it back out again, you know, because Nickelback's back on tour. They got their new album they put out, I guess it was earlier this year, I think. So I feel like that'd be fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some some great tours you have coming up, um, and you've already toured with some pretty big artists. But uh, the Granger Smith tour, have you already done dates? Yeah, with him? yeah, dude. Like okay. way back, uh, like twenty seventeen. One of the first tours I ever did was with Granger. We were acoustic only at the time. These ones are going to be full band, which is I'm really excited about. I love, I love playing acoustic. I love playing music, whatever. But just having the full band and be able to bring you know a little bit more energy and the feel, and me be able to move around the stage and kind of show you know the. I guess entertainer aspect of what I do, uh, it's a lot more fun. So this one's going to be really cool. And the fact that it's Granger's farewell tour and everything like that, I'm glad that, you know, we got asked to be a part of that because um, I've always considered him a good friend and, and his whole camp, his whole crew, they're just great people. You think it's going to be a different vibe since it's his last tour? Definitely, I think, yeah. Um, I think that it's going to be uh, sad, you know, when we finish that last show and, and we have to say goodbye and realize that he's not going to be doing it anymore because He's such a great entertainer. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a little bit of uh, a different energy out there, you know, coming to an end. But I feel like it's going to be bittersweet. The question no one's asking about Granger is like, what becomes of Earl Dibbles Jr.? Like, I know. Like he's retired, but not by his own making. He's almost fired. Yeah. Yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah, what's he going to do, man? I don't know. Uh, yeah. I'm not even sure if he's playing any of that stuff in the set. I hope he is. Um, oh, he's got to be. I know he's got to. You got to send it out like that. But yeah. We used to do like a uh, country boy song. He'd bring me out for that. I mean, that was like when I was like 18, 17, 18 years old. We'd do that together. And that was the coolest thing, getting to go up on that stage with him and sing that song in front of all those big crowds and stuff like that. So I hope he does it. I hope we get to do it again. But we'll see. Have you had one of those days on the road yet? And I think every artist has it, especially when you're a bit younger, because that's when you kind of have the less means or maybe you don't have the full van. Like everything gone wrong, like everything's gone wrong on the road. Everything's breaking down the show. You can't get to the show on time. Have you had kind of one of those? Um, um, or shouldn't we be knocking on wood? Because yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's what I was gonna say. Sometimes I don't like to answer that question if it's never happened. But um, no, actually, this year <laughs> it was. Really unfortunate. We we were in a sprinter van with the bunks, 
And uh, there's like five bunks in the back, little, you know, lounge hang area in the front. And uh, it was nice. You know, we took it all out west and did like two weeks in it out there and then came back. We had a little run. I think it was like Kansas City. There was one in Columbia, Missouri. And then there was one in Little Rock, Arkansas. And we got to KC, which was the middle show. We parked the van and more feet. And my buddy gets in to go turn it on and won't turn on. And we're like in the middle of the run, you know. Yeah. We got the trailer on the back of it. And we got to play the show that night, and then we can't move the van. So we ended up having to get it towed. Had to go. Guys had to go pick up two other rental cars, like a truck, and then a car for the rest of us guys to hop in and ride. And uh, it was right in the middle of what we're supposed to be doing sound check. So it's just very, very, you know, uh, inconvenient. But it all worked out. We got to the next show. We had a, like I said, a big old Dodge Ram truck, and then I think it was like a Charger. So. Sometimes, like, the best shows come out of those situations. Yeah. I've seen, like, um, it was Randy Hauser once. Everything went wrong for him, and he couldn't get to a gig. Mm -hmm. So it ended up just being him acoustic with, like, a piano that he borrowed on this festival stage. And my gosh, it was one of the best performances I've ever seen. That's awesome, dude. Dude, I played a show with him. Same thing happened. Um, They were supposed to be driving up in the bus. Bus broke down, and... They had to backline everything, and they, like, flew up, I think, or something like that. It was in, I, th- I want to say Wisconsin or Minnesota. It was mm-hmm. way up north, kind of almost on the border of Canada, and it was a festival called Kicking Up Country. Yeah. Uh, which was, I was like, damn, but he sounded so good. Yeah, it was like the raw band, like, no crazy production, and it was just, like, a cool thing to see. Of course, you got uh, a few dates with Kane Brown. Uh, yeah, very on, excited on about as well. that. Are you guys close? Have you chatted with him? Much, uh, yeah, yeah. We're, we we know each other. We've known okay. each other for a long time, actually. Uh, going back probably to like 2016, 2017. Uh, we work with the same manager, um, Martha Earls, and mm-hmm. Joey Russ is my manager as well. But they are all over at the same company. So uh, we got Restless Road over there, too. <clears throat> and, you know, all of us guys are all pretty close. So the fact that I finally got asked to hop out there with some cane dates and, and hang out, I'm very, very stoked. Um, we're actually playing with Kane this weekend in Oregon. Nice. And it's a festival date, which is going to be cool. Um, I think Flo Rida is on that show, too, which is a little, you know, unorthodox out of the box. But I saw Flo Rida last year in my hometown, and his set was so cool because if you think about all them, like, top, you know, 40 hits, hot 100 hits that he has on the pop radio and everything, like, it's a very fun show to see. So I think it'll be a cool dynamic. I feel like that's becoming more normal now for yeah. especially country and hip hop. I like multi-genre it. festivals. I like it a lot because I'm into a lot of other things. You know what I mean? Right. Like country was almost the last one I jumped onto when I was probably 14, 15 and really got into that new era of what, you know, was on the radio yeah. 10 years ago. Um, but before that, yeah, I loved hip hop, pop. I mean, everything. I just like, I like all those festivals like Lollapalooza and stuff too, where they like bring in so many different things. Bonnaroo even as well. Just across the board, you get to see great music. Kane, you and Kane have kind of similar stories where you guys kind of both started on Facebook with cover songs. And then he, he before you, I mean, he kind of had to figure out how to pivot from just being that sort of viral country <clears throat> artist who was doing cover songs to like his own recording career. And very few artists have sort of made that transition. Has he sort of given you any advice along the way or shared any sort of secrets to being able to pivot to an artist who can become known for his own music? Yeah, um, I think it was definitely uh, back, like I said, around that 2016, 2017 time maybe it even was. Uh, we hung out. He had an apartment here in town, and we got to kick it for one night. And I remember us just talking about so much of what that come up is like and and how you have to kind of, you know, 
I mean, not get it off your shoulders, but you want to shake that away a little bit and become, right. you know, a little more legitimate in, in everybody's eyes. And uh, I remember he reached out to me on Instagram around that same time and just told me, like, keep pushing, brother. You can do this, too. You know, you can do this, too. And uh, it was cool, man. So, like, he's always been, I feel like, in my corner in that sense that we came up similarly. But we've never really sat down and had, like, an actual conversation, which I, I look forward to doing because I feel like I want to, you know, just kind of pick his brain about what it was like back then and how everything's changed now, you know? Yeah, that makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense. Uh, the new single, uh, the new song, Ain't Missing You, uh, went viral. Is this right? It went viral before you even finished the dang song? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> Dude, it was crazy. Um, so we had written it, and it was just a little rough demo that we had done, like, the day of. And I always really liked the song, but the two guys I wrote it with, Lalo Guzman and Brett Tyler, um, I remember they liked it, too. Brett really liked it. But I think that we kind of just forgot about it a little bit, and I was always listening to it. So I was one day at home, and, and this is after I had started jumping into TikTok and messing around with that whole thing. Um, I decided, I was like, man, we got to put another song out. We got to do something. So I just teased it on TikTok that day, and I did, like, the first verse chorus. And that first video got, like, 200,000 views, like, right out of the gate. And I was like, oh, this one seems to be working. You know, let's keep pushing it. People started making their own videos, girls, guys, you know, girls getting through breakups, guys, you know, coming into a new girl's life and, you know, fixing the broken pieces and everything like that, which has been cool to see. I mean, it's been like empowering to people. So, uh, yeah, posted it, started doing really good. And uh, after it got that traction, uh, the label was like, well, we got to put this thing out. So it took a little while. We wanted to get it super right. A few months later, we put it out in like September. And then now fast forward, here we are. It's getting ready to go to radio this month. How much pressure is it to get it right after people already kind of fell in love with it? It's a lot of pressure. That's the big thing, too, is like you don't want to not deliver, you know, because all they were listening to was that stripped down demo. And it was already good enough, but it's like you want to you don't want to overdo it, but you don't want to underdo it. So, you know, it took a minute. We had to work around a couple different production stuff and, and, and mix it a few times. But we finally got it and it's doing really good. It's one of my best performing songs ever. So I'm very, very stoked about that. Are you a perfectionist in the studio? Are you someone who will really agonize over tiny decisions? Yeah, yeah, definitely with writing too. I feel like that's why sometimes I, my fans and people like be looking at me like, man, you haven't put out a song in so long. I'm like, well, it's because I'm trying to stack up the best songs I can. And, and I, I just want to take the time it you know takes to actually make a great product. And I hope when it comes out, you know, it delivers. And I feel like the last couple of times it has for everybody. So, um yeah, I guess perfectionist in the sense of I take my time with with what we try to do. You know, I read that you have a, a collaboration um, kind of in the works or maybe in the can. Can you yeah. share a little bit about what that's about or who's it with or what you have going there? All, all I'll say is <clears throat> we still haven't gotten in to uh, get it all done. Um, all right, I know we're still talking about it. I was just on the phone the other day with him. Uh, it's a guy. But I can't say who it is yet because it's big. It's a big one. It's going to be cool. We're, we're still figuring out exactly how the release is going to go, the rollout, where we're going to put it on, you know, whose album, gotcha. uh, or if, if we're going to have uh, somebody else collab with us and produce it and everything like that. So we'll see. But it's going to be really cool. So and it's of, still it's still in the air. So okay, we won't jinx it then. Um, so I, I I know you. We've talked to you oh, um, at one of the the awards. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe it was ACM awards or, mm-hmm. or CMT awards. 
Um, you spoke with our social media producer, Addison Hager, yeah. about your friendship with Jelly Roll, yeah. which on paper doesn't make a lot of sense. You're from Indiana, <laughs> quite a bit younger and different backgrounds. Yeah. Uh, now you guys are label mates as well. Like, yeah. How did that kind of friendship come together and what do you guys kind of geek out or bond over? Yeah, dude. Um, it was just crazy. I feel like uh, me getting signed over to BMG and then him also taking that deal, you know, put us in the same rooms and um, he's just such a nice guy. I mean, overall, I feel like. He's probably friends with everybody he meets, which is good. You know, that's a good person to be. But, uh, yeah, he's just very, very genuine. And and um, obviously we bond over, you know, our likes of, of uh, multi-genres of music, different approaches to make music, the stuff we've talked about before. Um, we bond over drinks. <laughs> we've had a lot of drinks together out on the road and at these parties. And uh, we, we got to play our first show together, actually, this year in – Key West, right around the time that uh, BMI Songwriters Fest was going mm-hmm. on. We played the big show uh, <clears throat> over at the amphitheater, and it was so fun. So, yeah, I, it just kind of came out of nowhere. I definitely didn't expect to be friends with him. You know, it's like you don't judge, you don't want to judge a book by its cover, but you see him, and I'm like, I don't think that this guy's going to be somebody who warms up to me. But he's just been always so caring and so supportive, and, um, you know, it's, it's, he's a buddy of mine that I'm glad that, you know, I have that connection, and, and he's somebody that always looks out for me, and I know that people even – on the label have told me, yeah, like Jelly's came up to me and been like, I, I watch Dylan's stuff, the way he approaches social media and everything, and he just does it right. So it's just cool to hear like people like that in your corner. Yeah. yeah. Any other artists sort of like that you've kind of met along the way that um, you didn't expect to be friends with that maybe you know you got their number on your phone or whatever? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, who would I say is like that? Uh, I mean, I'm good friends with Bailey Zimmerman, but I mean, you know, it makes a lot more sense because we have uh, – Buddies, mutual friends through the TikTok industry and world, and interesting, um, which is cool. But that's a good friendship of mine that I'm glad I have. Um, Hardy is somebody who I just met recently. Um, we have known each other. We've had mutual friends for so long, and uh, actually, one of his good buddies that he started out riding with, Mark Holman, was my first producer, and we like got to play a show together a few weeks ago, probably about a month ago now, and. Uh, we just hit it off. I mean, we had like a really good time. He was telling me how he loves, you know, my approach to music and in my writing and, and everything. And that was just a really cool one. Uh, one that I was just looking forward to, to finally meeting and, and, you know, having that interaction with. So I'm glad that worked out. And, and uh, I'm interested to see if there's anything, you know, on the horizon with me and him to work together or anything like that. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. It's been, uh, been super cool. Other than that, um, the FGL guys, is that was another one, like, both Brian and Tyler. That was a dream come true. I met them probably when I was 16. One of your first. One of your yeah, first, yeah, really early on. Yeah. Uh, I met them talking about maybe doing a publishing deal and then didn't end up going there. Ended up signing a, a little uh, like record deal with their independent thing they had back in 2019 and got to go on tour with them, uh, with uh, them, Dan and Shay, Morgan, Wallen, and um, Kanan Smith. And just how like influential and like, uh, you know, awesome their music was to me when I was younger. It was like the craziest thing ever getting to just like be on the bus with them, riding with them, everything like that. So that's another one that uh, I really cherish. And I just got to play a show with Tyler a couple of weeks ago in Colorado. So we got to catch up and that was great. I'm fascinated with the idea of how we're going to look back on Florida Georgia line in like 10 years or 20 years, because you know what I mean? Like right now living in it, like you loved them or people, some people hated them for, yeah. for better or for worse. But like, influence that they have, I think we'll really start to see it when like that next generation kind of comes along and what country music sounds like. I agree. 
And it's either, you know, it's either going to be like, um, they were like the forefront, you know what I mean? Of, of that whole like 10 years. Right. Right. We'll either look at it with like the respect we have for like the outlaw country or sort yeah. of like the, the dismissiveness of like the urban cowboy like, mm-hmm. you know, in the eighties. And I don't know which way it's going to go, but I feel like we'll probably look back on it. It will have fondly. a, it'll, yeah, it will definitely have like a stamp on it for sure. Yeah. Good yeah. or bad, but, um, I know you're a big video gamer. What's, yeah. what's like your on the road setup? Yeah, um, usually, like I said, when we were in that uh, Sprinter van that had the bunks, there was a TV back there, so that was super nice. I'd bring, I have a PS5, but I have like a way more portable PS4, my old console, so I'd bring that on the road and plug that in, and you know, if we had the hot spot, if we were in a good spot where I could get Wi-Fi, I'd be playing uh, Call of Duty Warzone, some Fortnite here and there, but um, yeah, and then I got a HyperX headset and uh, a Scuf um, custom controller. One of my favorite uh, gamers, his name's um, Nick Merckx, and he has a um, controller uh, line with Scuff. And then Tim the Tapman is one of my other favorite. They play together a lot, and I have his headset. So that's kind of my setup. I want to get a PC to to start streaming and everything like that from from home, but to have that mobile you know, rig with the PS4 and everything's super nice. I feel like I, I've always wanted to kind of get like a, like a, a tournament of some sort, so like artists who game, like a... Almost like a charity, like everybody for St. Jude and the yeah. donate to kind of walk. That'd be sick. Like that. Yeah, dude. There's so much I know. Else, like Twitch makes it so easy to kind of do that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be really cool, though. I love I love gaming, dude. I didn't game for like a week and a half, and I just got to play last night for the first time, and it was it felt good. You're Twitch. You're just. <laughs> yeah, dude. Absolutely. <laughs> like having a relapse Twitch. <laughs> so, uh, Dylan Schneider, new song, Ain't Missing You with uh, Taste of Country Nights. Appreciate you stepping in and uh, chatting with me, sort of last second pivot here. Oh, yeah, man. I'm glad we got to do it. Thank you for having me. All right, let's bring in Billy Dukes from behind the camera and microphone on this one to talk about these podcasts. All right, give it to me. I just talked to Dylan, my my, my debut interview here on the Taste of Country Nights podcast. Yeah. Any feedback? How'd I do? Well, in for the big chair? I think you did great. I think you did great. I mean... I mean, the truth, I only really heard the beginning 10 seconds and the last 10 seconds, but it sounded really good. Jerk. (laughs) (laughs) I thought thought you'd be sitting there taking notes. I mean, it sounded really good. It was was crisp. You know, it was good stuff. You're like, the audio quality was. The the audio quality. Granted, I sweetened it all to make sure it sounded good, but that part was great. Yeah, I mean, the audio quality was recorded in the same, our studio. It's great audio quality. He, um, one of the things he talks about is, uh, he's kind of developed a little bit of a friendship with Jelly Roll. Now they're on the same record label. And it kind of got me to thinking, like, do you do this? Like, every time, I mean, Jelly Roll is like a really popular artist right now. He's hot, a lot uh-huh. of heat on him. And he's doing great on like Taste of Country's properties, like our yeah. videos and the podcasts and all that. So, like anytime someone like says jelly roll, I'm like oh, jelly, jelly jelly roll. Yes, jelly roll? same thing. Jelly roll? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I I know like uh, yeah, like just like you said, like that equals web clicks, that equals radio right. listens. So yeah, as soon as I hear jelly roll right now, especially is like on fire. What, Can, I, now I want to know what did he do? He he just talked about how they kind of got to know each other, and um, I don't know that their friendship's really deep. Gotcha. Uh, at, at this point, but they're um, they've, they've certainly had some conversations. Um, can we overdo that? You think? Like, is there an, like is there a max is a saturation I, point? I, I don't think so. I think that if there is, it's not on us to decide. I think, I think the world in general will decide, and and it'll and then we'll just take the hint. So I've I've noticed on like YouTube, 
a little bit of like some of our longer form videos that are Jelly Roll related. Like there's a little bit of a drop off in views. So I think we're kind of resting them. Okay. A, a little there, but like the short form stuff and maybe the audio editorial stuff. A yeah. A bit of a different audience. Yeah. And, and plus, I mean, you know, he's in between number ones per se. So I think that, uh, you know, once Jelly Roll puts out a new album too, like it's you know, it's just gonna keep on going. But you're right, every everybody needs a little break from now and then. The irony, of course, is that we just spent two, three minutes talking about Jelly Roll in terms of not talking, talking about, about Jelly, Jelly Roll, Roll, right? Too too much. So Jelly, it's like the Kardashians, you know, like <laughs> you just you're gonna end up talking about them at some point. Um you asked Jelly Roll the question about the most white trash thing he does, and then you pivoted the wording of that question to Luke Combs <laughs> to the most college yes, guy thing he yes. does. Why did you not ask Luke Combs a white trash version of the same question? Okay, there is a reason. The one reason is that Jelly Roll is a self-admitted piece of white trash. Sure. Where True. he says that, he says, I am white trash All right. on a lot of things. Luke Combs isn't necessarily going for that. No, so, he's not. Yeah, so I felt like if I asked white trash, like, you know, it, I I didn't want to label him that. I didn't want to even think about that because Jelly Roll labeled himself that. So I just kind of went off that. So. If anyone else ever says that they're white trash, then I'll be like, what's the white, most white trash? So the way I, only thing I could think of was college guy thing. Yeah. You know? That's more on brand for Luke. Is like redneck, like right down the middle? Redneck would be good. And Justin Moore kind of turned the redneck for us in a good way when he embraced uh, people from his hometown calling him or any. He told me it's an honor, Justin Moore, if anyone ever calls him a redneck. Because that's what he wants to be. That's what he strives to be. That's what he is, lives, and breathes. So, you know, I feel like in country, it's okay to have a little bit of a, a redneck. So I, I think it's fair to to all maybe I'll pivot now to to redneck because it didn't feel right as college guy because you know the guy's married so right. once you're married everything college goes out the window yeah that's true um, redneck is kind of an interesting classification because like we can still make redneck jokes yeah yeah like, yeah, yeah 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 and I don't know that we'll ever get to a point where like the rednecks are going to be upset about redneck jokes because they're for the large part, that's a conservative audience who is pro freedom of speech, saying everybody's too sensitive. So to get upset, it would have to be like some pretty woke rednecks out there. <laughs> and I don't know, like, I don't know if that subgenre group exists. Well, there's two kinds of rednecks, though. There's there's people that are rednecks that are admittedly rednecks, and then there's people that are rednecks that don't think they're rednecks. And then there's a third subgroup of people that are rednecks, don't think they're rednecks, but then get offended when you talk about rednecks. Remember that song, Country Must Be Countrywide, the Brantley Gilbert song? Yeah. I always think about that when it comes to this conversation, because people like think country down in the South. Like, you know, I did radio in rural Michigan. I mean, that's the same. A Northern Michigan, I know we're on out there. I mean, it's the same. It's the same. Yeah. Everywhere. Everywhere. Country is indeed. I mean, Brantley Gilbert was 100% right on that one. Yeah, I it's universal. Yeah, I agree. You know, once you get out into into the sticks per se, you know, there's only one life to really lead. Like I, I was just writing a story about Zach Bryan uh, uh, and his hometown. He's from th- a town of one thousand three hundred people. Yeah, like what is there to do in that that kind of town? Like, what are you gonna do? So it's like 
you end up lighting stuff on fire with magnifying glasses and becoming a redneck. Yeah, I, I 100% get it. And I, I, I mean, to, to, to go to the other end, edge of the spectrum, uh, you asked Luke about his biggest splurge. And I think he said a, a Pepsi watch. Um. Yeah, yeah, uh, kind of. He answered with that. He's a... Uh, well, yeah, go ahead. What 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 is that? Like okay. a Rolex? It's a nice watch, but is it like Pepsi? The Pepsi logo? No, it's a Rolex, but with the Pepsi colors. It's like blue and red. Um, I only know about it because I follow a jeweler guy that like wheels and deals, and I think it's funny. Um, so that's how I knew, and I knew Luke Combs was into watches. Other than the Pepsi Rolex, I don't know anything about it. I did think it was funny that he was like, no, I don't have one. And then he was like, actually, I do. And it's awesome. So that goes to show me the guy's got a lot of watches. How does, how does Rolex, it must be a partnership with Pepsi, because they couldn't use Pepsi. I don't otherwise. know. It's a good question. Do you know how much they cost? I think you can get them for like uh, 10 to 15 Gs, I think, because they're older. I'm looking. Okay, yeah, I'm looking here at a, a website, and it has it for ten nine. Oh, that's pretty good, yeah. Um, that's about the most I see. Here's the Mint Rolex GMT Pepsi Jubilee bracelet. They're not even calling it a watch. Oh, wow. And it's a watch, but they're saying it's a bracelet. And apparently that allows you to charge seventeen five. Okay, and I know that some Rolexes come with papers and some don't, and if it comes with the card and the papers, it's worth more. But as a watch collector, if Luke Combs, there's a lot of things to unpack there. He doesn't know he has a $10,000, $15,000 watch in his collection, which is obviously not five watches because he would know he had the Pepsi Rolex. So, man, we need to get into more into the watch stuff because I bet he has a drawer for it. Sounds like he doesn't spend money on anything. I bet he has so many expensive yeah. watches. This goes back to the, my podcast idea about what, did I, what was it like geeking out or country geeks? Yeah, where you kind of just get to geek out. There's something there about artists with the thing that they love. Yeah, there's something there, man. He's he's mentioned that to me before about watches. That's why I, I knew to ask. And uh, by the way, because this is kind of a timely thing, Luke just announced a really cool tour for um, 2024. Um, he's playing more stadiums, but the way he's going to do it is he's playing back-to-back shows. Each night not only has a separate opening act, they have opening acts that are targeting sort of a separate crowd. So it, like one night, I believe it's like Jordan Davis and company. Okay. But then like the first night is like, um, here, let me pull up the... Like Britney Spears? No, 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 no. So he's not kind of selling out like that. Like it's still very within like the singer-songwriter community. It's um, Cody Jinks, the Avett Brothers, Charles Wesley Godwin, Haley Witters, and the Wilder Blue. So that's like kind of a festival, all sort of like wow. almost like Zach Bryany yeah. artists in there. And then the next night is Jordan Davis, Mitchell Tenpenny, Drew Parker, you know, artists that are right down Main Street country. So he's doing back-to-back shows, but he's going to get two totally different audiences and grow. This is the smartest tour idea i've ever i've heard of in the last five years i mean this is garth brooks level marketing i, I really applaud him for it do you think he's involved in that 100 percent. okay yeah 100 percent. i mean he knows the avid brothers they're from carolina they're from west carolina uh cody jinx is coming up yeah he, he's got his finger on so it. he's going like this is what i want to do i mean we've kind of asked artists this question, like how do you get to that next level once yeah. you reach the top 
And to do that, the only way to do that is to cross over in some sort of way. Well, he kind of has crossed over a little bit with Fast Car, but he's not going to go for like a pop radio hit. But now we can kind of cross over into like this sort of Americana bluegrass world. And there's a big audience there that maybe he can kind of bring to his music. So, I mean, I really got to applaud him to this. He's got to get a bigger house. He's only got the two bedroom. He's got to get a big house. The guy is making some money. Who is it? Warren Buffett, the, you know, the investor that lives, still lives in like a three bedroom house. In like I a think so. Yeah. Luke Bryan is like the Warren Buffett of country music. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a bad place to be. Or Luke Combs, you mean? Luke Combs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sorry. No, not at all. And he's probably got a padded bank account, and he doesn't talk about it. And that, you know, he's probably living the life. Just a vault full of sweet watches. <laughs> yeah, and canned Gatorade. <laughs> well, thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. If you can give us a like, a subscribe, a download, all that good stuff, it all helps us out here at Taste of Country Nights on Demand, which is part of the Town Square Media Podcast Network.